The battle of wizards and warriors continues with iron swords. The evil wizard Malkil will take the shape of the earth, wind, water, and fire. Farewell! The fate of the world is in your hands! You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willett. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience, I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Hi everybody, how you doing? Thanks for coming back to the first episode once we've returned from the 2023 APP conference in Las Vegas. I was out there for the week with Lola, Uh, we taught some classes, we did a live podcast, Uh, it was really nice, it was a really good week to recharge our batteries, to spend some quality time together. I always appreciate Lola being able to um, absorb some some sun and to to go out and have some nice dinners together. But it was a really packed work week. Want to say thank you to everyone who stopped by the Piercing Wizard booth and the expo and picked up your exclusive shirts. And I want to say thank you to everyone who signed up at, at patreon.com slash ryanpba uh, during conference week. And, and since I've come home, um, welcome, and I hope you enjoy the content. I'm not going to waste too much of your time with uh, with adverts today. And I, I really just want to talk about um, my, my first guest. I did record a handful of podcasts, not a ton, because I was very, very busy. But I got a couple of them, and I think they're pretty special. And the first one I would like to uh, present to you is with with uh, what I believe to be the the first um, Indian piercer to ever attend the APP conference, and uh, as Jason details, really the first person from that entire subcontinent that's been able to make it out to the, the APP conference, so it's a huge deal. Jason was one of the legacy scholars for this year. He's a, a piercer from Mumbai, India. Uh, I met him at the BMXNet conference in, in Germany in the fall of, of 2022, and I was really happy to to see Jason at conference as one of our scholars. Um, we talk a lot about uh, traditional piercing jewelry in India. Uh, India piercing has been a, a commonplace practice for thousands of years. A lot of the different jewelry designs that we might be familiar with as, as Western piercers have a lot of their, their roots uh, in Indian jewelry design. Things like internally threaded jewelry, threadless jewelry, nostril screws, things like that. A lot of those things can be credited towards uh, that subcontinent and uh, Indian piercing in particular. So it's really interesting to have Jason come on. He talks about um, traditional Indian jewelry and its connections to, uh, to, to modern uh, Western jewelry, European-made jewelry, things that you might think of as titanium, internally threaded, threadless and uh, we talk a lot about gold, too. Big cultural differences, huge economic differences um, between North America and, and India. Um, and you know, gold, the gold that they're working with is typically a higher carat, now something a little bit closer to pure, typically a 22 carat. And where is the, the line of, of value? Some people might specifically value the material, and that's why they want it so pure. Um, other people might uh, value maybe the the more like crafting skill that goes into it uh, all the time, all the jeweler hours that that go into making these beautiful pieces of of jewelry. So it's a really fascinating conversation to to talk about. I know Jason is preparing um, some sort of a class about uh, traditional piercing in India. I would look forward to seeing that at, at future conferences. I know he's working on that one. Um, I'm really interested to, to learn more about um, actual like modern progressive body piercing in different countries around the world. Uh, people like Paul King and, and others really do well to document the historical nature of body piercing, but it's also important to realize that these are everyday practices around the world, and I want to know how people out there are uh, piercing and, and living with piercings. Uh, Lola brings a lot of good points up uh, connecting uh, the, the conversation that we're having with Jason, you know, culturally, historically, economically, tracing it right back to the roots of everyday body piercing for a lot of us, different economic issues, logistic issues, um, healing and aftercare issues. So it's a, a really fascinating uh, perspective to, to hear during the conversation as well. And uh, it's a fun one. So expand your horizons, uh, body piercing outside of your hometown, your home state, your home studio. And let's get into uh, this interview with Jason D'Souza. And I'll be back a little bit more at the end. Explaining like threadless and things like that. And it's like, it's a very traditional design that comes from India. You might already be familiar with the, you know, something similar. Hundreds of years. Yeah. 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 Also, there's a part of India that does threading the opposite way. Okay. And for me, it is so confusing. Mm. I mean, 
if anybody gets that kind of jewelry over here yeah you know because you tighten it clockwise the 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 phrase in in western culture is righty tighty lefty loosey exactly that's how mostly yeah. all over the world is but yeah. there's just one part of india mm. that makes the jewelry the opposite way okay so it is righty loosey right so was there ever an explanation like is it, are left-handed people more prevalent there or was it just mm. random happenstance random. yeah yeah probably thousands I'll, of years I'll, ago I'll someone was like that. i don't yeah. know this way yeah i'll do it this way yeah, yeah. yeah. okay yeah. well um so to start, um, why don't you introduce yourself and then we'll introduce our guest. Uh, my name is Lola Slider and I'm the piercer and owner of Forest Piercing in Glasgow, Scotland and the co-assistant manager of the Piercing Wizard podcast. And we are here in Las Vegas at the APP conference and uh, our, our guest for this show is one of our scholars. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Jason D'Souza. I'm from Mumbai and the owner of Tatao Tattoo and Piercing Studio. And it's great to be here with you, Ryan and Lala. It's great to have you here. Um, we met at, at BMXNet in, in Germany. Yes. Was that your first like body art conference outside of India? Uh, I've been to a lot of uh, uh, tattoo conferences okay. uh, in the last six years, I would say, uh, with my travels all across. But that definitely was my first primarily piercing-only conference. And... Uh, the the entire energy levels were completely different as against all my experiences with tattoo conferences mm -hmm. loved the bit of the camaraderie that piercers shared and and i think that continued even over here in las vegas and it's fabulous well, yeah i think the dynamics in a lot of studios is there's a handful of tattooers and a piercer so the piercers like you know the kind of middle child or you know yeah. the kind of one that's a little bit left out yes and so when you go to tattoo conferences and things the tattooers they're used to being in a little pod and they're maybe not as open to meeting other people and right. you know right. they're a little bit more guarded whereas piercers are just so excited to be around other piercers because a lot of yes. them don't work yes. in that environment so they're just like yeah. piercing's the main thing yay <laughs> yeah yeah you do feel like it's a little bit more of your event rather than just yeah. an event that you're yeah. at yes yes yeah so i used to be a tattoo artist i gave up tattooing completely for pursuing piercings only and uh, but still i mean i've found it so different that you know piercers are naturally welcoming towards other piercers as against tattoo artists. Not putting them down, but in general. Yeah, it's sure just no. a different mindset a different because mindset. of the, the structure within most studio life. It's, yes. a, it's a different shift when you go to a group event. True, true. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, we, we obviously met and you got to make a lot of other connections. And one of the other people at the BMXNet conference every year is, is Kale, who is uh, an APP board member. But we are also on uh, a panel that helps to find the scholars for every yes. year's APP conference. And sometimes when we're at different events, especially outside of the U.S., we're kind of like scouting people where we, we know that like, not to pat you on the back too hard, but like, you know, the, the, the special cases out there where it's like, you know, maybe they need a little bit more access or, you know, a spotlight or, uh, you know, different opportunities. And um, I, I think after the first conversation that we had had with you we ran into each other in a hallway and we're like we got to get jason to conference we have to get him there i think you guys were instrumental in having me here so thank you so much for this experience as well and and the scholarship it's just been fabulous well it's not something like we just kind of threw it at you like you know you earned it through the, the application process and, and all the hard work that you put into to your career so it's great to see um piercers be able to get opportunities through something like the scholarship because you you might have been able to, to come to conference eventually, but maybe this got you here sooner? Sooner. I, yeah. I completely agree with that. I mean, this was not on my cards this year, for sure. Uh, BMX being my first, I was still trying to adapt to what is happening. I was planning to go to UK APP first because that was an easier. I visit London more, I mean, UK more often than any other country. Like, every year I'm in the UK for at least two months. Okay. So, uh, Wales and Scotland being one of my favorite spots to visit. Really? And yes, yes, definitely. And uh, last year I was in Scotland, I did the loop from Glasgow to Edinburgh. Mm -hmm. I drove, yeah. Uh, but yes, I mean, uh, definitely sooner than later. I'm yeah. here. And, and it's been great. And I think uh, what APP also does for the scholars is, is a, an amazing thing, a great opportunity for people across the world and and it's it's superb 
Yeah, well, I mean, that's why we're all here. It, like, the APP conference used to be um, mostly mostly U.S. piercers for a long time, and then, you know, as the news of what the conference was spread, you would start to see a, a few people trickle in from, from Europe, from the U.K., Central and South America, a bit, you know, Canada, bit by bit. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that you would be our first Indian attendee. Have you heard otherwise? So, yeah, I've not heard otherwise, but I've also been told that I'm the first in that entire subcontinent. Yeah. It's not only just India, but that entire subcontinent. And it, it's 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 a very proud moment for me. And obviously, I'll, I keep thanking you and Kale constantly, but yes, I'm, I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about what, what piercing is, is like in India. Is it more... Um, like, are you doing more of a, a narrow scope, like nostril piercings, ear piercings? Are you doing lots of other body locations? Like, what's the piercing culture like in India? Uh, as a culture, we've been, I mean, you're aware that we've been doing piercings for thousands of years. Yeah. We've got documented evidence of uh, nostril piercings, ear piercings, and also uh, lobe stretching. Mm -hmm. You know, we've got, we have uh, statues on temples that are probably a thousand years old or more than that and and we have deities that have stretched earlobes and stuff like that and have stones in them and things of that so we do not know 100% what kind of metals were used during that time but yeah there is there is documented evidence that we have that there is also document documented evidence on gentle piercings actually cool in, in, in India and uh, I mean that's something that I'm working on to put that together I was telling you the last time so uh, for me, uh, when I started off, yes, it was primarily only nose and ears. There was nothing more that uh, we were doing at that time. I started about 18 years ago. And uh, the eyebrow, you know, uh, the eyebrow piercing started. And then, and then things started, you know, people started exploring other things. My own grandmother and her mother actually had close to 20 odd piercings on her ears. And cool. they've been my inspiration. Somewhere down the line, uh, the the ear curation aspect of it, you know, kind of simmered in India, mm -hmm. probably in the 60s or the 50s or whatever. And that's something that I started striving to, you know, uh, bring it alive kind of a thing. Today, uh, I do I do piercings all over the body. Uh, I was uh, one of the only experienced piercers for intimate piercings. So I do a lot of intimate piercings mm. as well, and a lot of lot of customers of mine fly down from different cities into my city to get piercings that are not offered by other piercers cool. uh, across. So cool. oh yeah, it's 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 great. It's great. It's speaking from a professional piercing perspective, India is still in its nascent stages. It's still picking up. There are a lot of piercers that are learning uh, health and safety and hygiene and the right kind of metals and the right kind of. Uh, needles to be used and all of that. I've I've been doing a few sessions with, with our existing piercers, uh, basic sessions around sizes, the right size of jewelry, the right size of needles. Possibly, I've named that uh, session "Size Does Matter." Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I, I've, I've I've started you know uh, helping whatever I learn from my travels. I'm just trying to pass it on to other piercers across the country, and and that's what I'm I'm trying to do my bit there. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you find that your clients are trying to um, kind of capture maybe like a Western style of body piercing or do you feel like, you know, like right now in the U.S. it's all about tiny little ear piercings and, and things like that, uh, but, you know, both of us, we have a soft spot for like the 90s style, bigger, heavier, more extreme kind of thing. So what's, what's popular in India? So do you feel that your clients are embracing traditional culture or do you feel that they're being influenced by the Western influx of cosmetic body piercing, commercial body piercing, or is it kind right. of a mixture? Yeah. Uh, I would say it's a kind of a mixture, but uh, like uh, India as, as well, I mean, uh, I'll show you some pictures, uh, traditional uh, piercing jewelry is all chunky. Mm -hmm. And of course, we do 22 karat gold mm -hmm. and, you know, heavy gold. So uh, we have a lot of uh, people, uh, one or two generations above us who have naturally stressed ears because of the weight of the jewelry mm -hmm. that they used to wear. Right. And not like they've tried to stretch it, but they're naturally stressed. Yeah. Um, uh, I've uh, I've also seen that with, with different kind of uh, piercings that I do and I push it out there, people are able to understand that these are the new things that can be done. Not new as in uh, my creations, but something that's not normally done in India. So yes, uh, the clusters, I, I work a lot on clusters and stuff like that. 
I learn a lot from piercers across the globe as well as to different things like the small, small tiny jewelry and you know multiple uh, stacks that mm. you spoke about. So that is picking up big time in India. Yeah. At least with me. Right. And uh, uh, so uh, there's 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 a mix of culture. Yeah. The one thing that is uh, a little difficult for us to us as piercers to uh, jump over that hurdle is uh, we at times are competing against jewelers yeah. who sell jewelry and then offer piercing as kind of an add-on service yes and then pierce yes. the jewelry in sure so and they do it for free mm. so we can't compete with free and that still exists because it's been it's a traditional thing and in fact we have rituals uh, certain parts of India have has has a ritual in the first nine months of birth Certain parts of India have rituals for the first time uh, uh, a girl gets her periods. So there are rituals where you don't do the piercing until that ritual, the prayer is done. There's a there's a priest over there, and you know it's it's, it's an amazing c- ceremony. And after that, uh, traditionally a jeweler would do the piercing, and it would be trauma-based piercing. You just press the jewelry through, well, wow. and then uh, twist it into a pigtail. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like how we have the internal threaded. Uh, threadless jewelry over here we have like probably a 4mm or a 5mm wire behind that mm-hmm. yeah. so the Indian traditional jewelry will have like a 12 or a 14mm wire behind the top and just sharpened and you just sharpen or hopefully just sharpened <laughs> yeah and then you just snip the end uh, in an in an angle with a pair of scissors mm. so it gets a little sharp and you just push it in and okay no hygiene no sterilizing nothing right you know? so that's one huge competition for us and and the funny thing is 90% of those piercings heal without a problem sure mm-hmm. so we don't have a rebuttal to tell a customer as to why we are charging this much you know and what white IT name mm. and you know stuff like that yeah well it's a really interesting point that you raise because I teach a class about transitioning away from externally threaded jewelry and one of the biggest points in the the introduction to the class is it's amazing how much unhygienically done piercings or piercings done not with the best material it's amazing how much of them heal and I think piercers that have only ever worked high-end they don't know that because they have confirmation bias because they're seeing all the bad work and you're like the reality is it's not like the majority of yours heal and the majority of theirs fail they're actually the odds are closer than you'd think so you really need a whole other set of skills to sell what you're doing beyond oh it's just better it's safer because that's not going to work with the majority of people who have healed just fine especially if it's generation after generation where it's healed fine so i think sometimes there is a bias um for piercers who maybe aren't familiar with that side of things where they're like well it's just so dangerous it's just so unsafe and you're like i get what you're saying but there are like a billion people who've had this done and they've healed so you can't go up to them and say well that's dangerous that's not going to work when it has worked so you need other things to sell yourself with you need other arguments to make so it's kind of about making people think a little bit more diversely about how to communicate with clients beyond just the default of like oh it's safer you know like it's true but it's not the best argument to win business in some areas do you see with with people who are pierced in a a more traditional method you know with the traumatic style piercing do you see the same kind of prevalence that you you know piercing bumps and little irritations here and there because like even when when we perform piercings with what we would consider the best possible jewelry you still get problems yes 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 we do do. bumps the amount or the number of people who Remember, I just spoke about how you twist the the thread, the the wire once it's gone through the mm-hmm. tissue. Mm-hmm. The number of people that have had uh, to literally cut the piece of jewelry mm. because the entire wire behind has gone through. Yeah. Some of them realize that it's gone through and they come in soon. Mm-hmm. Some of them don't even realize, and it's now completely covered, and you just see the 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 front. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, and and so the number of people that we have to work with to you know troubleshoot these kind of piercings also the butterfly back ones mm. it's you know the thing is that uh, the the aftercare aspect of it is also not covered anywhere by the jewelers or any other traditional uh, ways of piercing and people do not realize that there's so much more that they need to do once the piercing is done mm-hmm. going to the right place having the right hygiene health and safety is the one part of it yeah. there's another huge part which is much more longer you know, yeah, care and healing. Weeks and yeah. weeks. So, 
yes, uh, I would say that we get a lot of people with crazy bumps or, you know, uh, embedded piercings mm. or jewelries and stuff like that. It's, it's crazy. What's what, what, what would be the typical aftercare? Because who were we speaking to the other day where they said that saline was just impossible to get in, in their region? Like, what, what would typical aftercare be that you would yes, suggest? saline is not very easily available. Um, uh, one of th- or a few things I the options that I give people one is keeping it clean in the most simplest way mm. spend a few extra minutes under the shower mm. you know keep it clean use a Q-tip or a hairdryer once you're done or if there's anything that uh, you need to clean then use a Q-tip once you're out of the shower not when it's dry and stuff like that uh, we also have rock salt so we uh, recommend rock salt with water solutions mm-hmm. you know so that that's easily available for us or sea salt natural salt right. is non-processed salt is very easily available for us mm-hmm. so uh, people use that and it has helped them yeah but uh, I always tell them that if you just keep two basic things uh, in place of making sure that it's clean and two not playing with the jewelry sure it goes a long way. I think that's kind of the, the universal basics for yes. the piercers that know how to make piercings heal. Is just yes. just don't touch it. Just exactly. keep it clean. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I don't know whether you'd agree, but whenever I get a piercing, I don't do anything to it. Kind of. Yeah. Uh, like her with with tattoos with piercings, it's like it's it's like she's already had it for ten years. It's just like <laughs> nope. Yeah. I think um, I'm I'm very similar in that I try and do very little but on a daily basis so i do clean the piercings in the shower a big thing for me because i live in a very humid city is drying everything and i have a lot of hair and the hair takes hours to dry and it's very very humid so for me probably the most important step in aftercare is drying the piercings and that means getting all the way under the jewelry all the way at the back but because you're in a humid area exactly if you were out here in las vegas somewhere very arid it might not be the same issue right Um, but for me it's it's actually more um, i could apply the best products in the world or the best materials in the world if i'm not drying my skin it's going to be wet the entire day because the atmosphere won't allow for it to dry right right India has a mix of different climates. I mean, I come from Mumbai, and we are it's right. Massive. I mean, yeah, it's a massive, <laughs> massive yeah. country, yeah. And it's it's humid as well, yeah. and I, I completely am. But it's hot as well. Yeah. So the we're heat cold def- and humid. Yeah, yeah. cold and humid would, would not be a great uh, combination. But we are hot and humid, and we're still fine. Yeah. But uh, I think uh, what I have also realized with my travels and me piercing in Europe as well as in India is that. Uh, the sun makes a huge difference in the healing process or speeding up the healing process yeah yes i mean that's that's my personal experience and i've seen uh us indians heal faster than any person in a colder country mm-hmm. you know or a country that has more colder periods than as in we have our winters well, i'm sure that has to have a correlation with like you know healthy blood flow and vitamin d and yes and know. and one of the things that i tell i tell most uh, a lot of we, uh, discussions that happened during the COVID uh, uh, era for us in India is that we as children literally have eaten mud while playing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, as in health and safety has been at a different level for us altogether. So our immune systems are also probably a little mm-hmm. stronger. Okay. Uh, yes, of course, the atmosphere, you know, all of that makes a difference. But uh, in general, uh, I think a lot of us third world countries still do not concentrate on the health and safety aspect of it you know in general Mm. so probably somewhere the body starts making us more immune to things for the lack of you know but yeah so with with some of the style or some of the requests that might come from clientele is it because they're connected into like western social media culture western pop culture or is it more of like an an inward is there like a, a, a piercing scene in india so uh uh, there are certain piercings that are uh, or uh, spots, piercing spots that are specific to regions and customs. Okay. One is a vertical helix, which is with straight down, mm-hmm. which is very specific to uh, one of the states in India called Maharashtra. And uh, the name, it, the jewelry also has a special name like Bugatti, mm-hmm. like a Bugatti, so Bugatti kind of a thing. Okay. And it has two large chunks of gold pieces on either sides, like like it, it looks like a dome of a temple, or you know, uh, so it's got two kind of domes. I'll show you all that jewelry. Uh, there's another region in Kashmir, which is another state where you do a extremely high conch, and that's done uh, two months before uh, 
the lady gets married. Okay. So it's 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 a wedding specific or marriage specific piercing. And the interesting part of, part is that you run a chain through it once it's healed. So you do the piercing. A lot of times you'll put a, a, a stem of a neem tree to leave it to heal for a month. And then once it's healed, you will put a chain around it. It comes down here, both the chains, uh, till, till the you know chest. And it has, like, either it has a, a pom-pom kind of... A, uh, jewelry or met big metal uh, danglers kind of a thing. That sounds amazing. It's so it's absolutely gorgeous. So yeah. when you say the stem of a neem tree, do you mean are you piercing with like a prick from the tree, or are you doing the piercing okay, and then so feeding there are, there through? Are, there are a few things from a custom uh, mm. perspective. There is, oh now I can't remember the name of the tree. So that well, there's one tree that has a thorn that's about two inches long. Mm -hmm. So it is also customary to use that thorn to pierce mm -hmm. so there's a prayer and all of that and all the other other way to do it is that they would just use a silver wire just prick it through and then put the name uh, you know stem of the name tree okay yeah. what, what kind of mill are we talking like thickness for 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 like uh, what because to wear a chain through it so right? they would start with uh, the jewelry or the stem I mean uh, the wire is about 2 mm okay so 12 gauge yes yeah, 12 gauge yeah, yeah wow. and uh, the chain also is dainty so it's within the 12 gauge and sometimes they will try to stretch it also mm -hmm. uh, they also run a thread through it so there is there are two or three types of dangling jewelry for that similar piercing one mm -hmm. is a chain one is a thread so you have a red color double uh, braided thread that goes through and then you have golden uh, pieces of jewelry falling then there is another very unique piece of jewelry that they make which has uh, as in, you know, we have chain adornments that we do. So it's it's a similar way. So it's like a labyrinth. And, and, and on both the sides, you dangle a chain. Instead of okay. a chain going through the passage, mm. you just dangle a chain through the labyrinth. So, yeah. Sounds amazing. It's, it's, it's beautiful. I mean, there are different, different parts of the country. Like we have a very uh, traditional, uh, another state in the south. So we have a traditional uh, piece of jewelry that... Uh, goes through from the top of the entire year and comes down and hooks in back into the lobe and it's 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 like like a half an inch strip of uh, golden chains with uh, pearls on it so there are like hundreds of pearls on it and like four strips going through yeah and beautiful piece of traditional jewelry and and, and stuff internal threaded jewelry was invented in India, in India yes, yeah and hundreds of years ago and uh, uh, threadless jewelry was invented in India and yeah. of course our uh, the threading uh, in India is probably half a millimeter shorter than the stem. Mm. I, I have a, a few Indian clients that I've worked with and sometimes they'll bring in traditional jewelry yes. Yes. and I'll notice that the, the thread is very very long very very thin but you know always like well made yes. and it's just yes. like it's really interesting to see where people's logic has brought them for jewelry especially if it's not from like this lineage of this body jewelry company, this body jewelry company, yes, just yes. different craftspeople, artisans out there, their yes. logic brings them to something that works perfectly. It's just so true, different. True, yeah. While you speak about craftsmen, I'd like to also uh, bring a point uh, which I spoke to a lot of piercers over here is that in India we buy gold by the weight. Mm -hmm. uh, the government publishes the daily gold rate on the newspaper. So if I want to go pe buy a piece of jewelry, no matter what I buy, whether it's earrings, necklaces, chain, you know, whatever, once I've picked it up, the jeweler will put it on a weighing scale. Whatever the weight is, you multiply it by today's rate, okay. and that's the cost of the jewelry. Okay. There is no cost or a price for craftsmanship hmm. in India. Yeah. Two reasons. One is we have, I mean, as of last month, we surpassed being the highest populated country. So we have a lot of people to do the job, you know. So we have a lot of craftsmen, we have a lot of traditional craftsmen, and they are on a particular salary and stuff like that and all. So uh, that's one of the reasons. Second reason is that, you know, even the goldsmiths, the owners of the businesses would buy gold bricks mm. at a particular price. And by the time it's ready to sell, the, the cost of gold has already gone up, right. you know. So he kind of uh, equates that uh, uh, cost to the salary given to the craftsmen. Right. Okay. So for us, like 
like I bought this piece of jewelry at uh, BMX for about 180 euros and today if I go to sell it in India it will not be worth even 20 euros wow. the moment I put it on a wing scale it's the weight of gold and this is okay. not even this is not even 22 carats is like, it that they don't they don't value it or is it just it's a di completely different system about how the jewelry is there manufactured are, there are a few new uh, jewelry companies like conglomerates I would say that have uh, come into play in the last probably decade and they charge for craftsmanship mm -hmm. but any traditional uh, jeweler shop where we would have probably five jewelry shops per kilometer across the country okay okay uh, they will charge you only by weight hmm. so it's not that we do not uh, okay maybe Okay, it's not that we do not appreciate the art, but maybe it's also that we do not appreciate the artists mm -hmm. because there are so many of them. So right, right. You know, yeah. that's it would be like if there was a, you know, fifty body piercers working on every street. After a while, people would be like, "Well, anybody can do it." Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So that's that's a huge difference for us. Like for me, when I go through the jewelry options that I get internationally, of course, I'm not talking about designs. I'm just talking about jewelry options. Mm -hmm. Designs are very different that I've that I see across when I'm in Europe or US and stuff like that in comparison to what we get in India but I it is extremely difficult for me to convince an Indian customer that this this piece of jewelry would cost you five hundred dollars mm. the first question would be is it 22 carat second question would be what's its weight okay so it's very like there are, there is a niche clientele that will not question me mm -hmm. when I tell them that this is made by this company, you know, and this is what it costs. They will buy it. But a larger clientele will ask me these questions. Okay. Coming back to one of the questions that you asked earlier, whether what's influencing uh, the Indian piercing scene or the uh, you know curation, it's I think a mix. Uh, we've uh, my team and I have been. Uh, constantly throwing art in the form of Instagram posts and mm -hmm. Facebook posts and all so there is a lot of awareness that we've been uh, bringing into uh, the scene that these are options available as well and also the influx of so many TikTok videos so many Instagram reels people get to see what's happening across the world as well you know so they'll they'll send us a picture of some international either a, a influencer or or a piercer or a piercer's handle saying that I'd like to do this piercing can you get me this jewelry more often than not we are able to convert it with the jewelry that we have but if they ask for that specific jewelry then they wait for a while till we are able to order it for them because when a specific piece is asked for we can tell them the price and we can order it and we know that it's not lying in the shelf for like six months or a yeah. year and it's dead stock so hmm. yeah so that's that's really that's cool yeah. so you know when i when i hear gold 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 as yeah. an american piercer i hear money 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 yes but economically i would imagine things are very different in, yes. in india so what where where does that where, where do those two things cross like you know being able to make a living as a body piercer moving things like gold you know probably every day all day um, and then the economics of the clientele in India so so uh, I was the first piercer to introduce titanium pieces of jewelry in the studio I was also the first piercer to introduce gold jewelry in the studio uh, at this point in time, we probably have maybe five piercers only piercers in the country. Okay. Whole country of yeah. 2.5 billion people. Uh, because they are all other uh, tattoo artists who are just doing a piercing mm -hmm. because somebody's, somebody's walked through the door. Sure. Uh, there are some very good tattoo artists who are also very good piercers. Mm -hmm. So that combination also is there. But. Uh, there's not a lot of uh, studios that would house gold jewelry because we are still somewhere at that thin line we've not crossed where a customer would come to a tattoo and a piercing studio to buy gold sure they go to a jeweler buy they'll gold. go to a jewelry like a jewelry shop because yeah. like i said we've got about five good jewelry shops mm -hmm. per kilometer yeah you know so uh okay maybe three maybe not five <laughs> but yeah but you know still, what i mean quite a few yeah, yeah quite a few so it's and then it's 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 also like a doctor or a barber mm. you would have uh families that would be stuck to a particular jeweler for years or generations and you know you would only go to them 
the other part of the gold by weight in india exists also because it's investment because gold is always gold yes yeah and it's pure for us mm-hmm. so today when i not putting the other companies down like say for example i buy gold from a particular company uh, that makes it in europe or the us and it's 14 carats or 18 carats mm. i buy it for say 200 uh, dollars tomorrow if i want to sell it unless i have someone who's who appreciates the art i will not be able to sell it for 200 dollars because of the lower carat or yes. yeah because of the low carat yeah. yeah because we get 22 carat and the jeweler gives us a certificate that tomorrow when you bring it mm. this is the weight that i sold you at yeah and this is the weight into that day's rate is what i will buy it back at mm. so there are jewelry shops that will also buy the gold not only the ones that you bought from them but you would have bought it from anywhere because they can just melt it down and turn exactly. it into something else and yeah bring it back to the natural form yeah. and turn it to whatever you want yeah so for a lot of indians we probably might be the second largest economy or probably in the first five largest economies that holds gold inside the house every indian no matter how rich or poor he or she is we will we have certain uh, rituals or uh, festivals where we go and buy gold even if it is 1 gram it's customary to go and buy gold mm. so people will go and buy a coin a gold coin a pure 24 carat gold coin uh, just a gram or or lesser or whatever whatever one person can afford and it's it's like a prayer and you know all of that and it's customary so any indian will have gold at any given point in time which is something that they would save for a rainy day mm-hmm. you know that will always be worth what it is worth as of today so if i had bought gold 20 years ago for 50 dollars today it would definitely be about 200 dollars mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. so it's always an investment option more than an adorn or adornment as well sure. but also but they see the added benefit exactly. of like this is still yes. valuable yeah yeah and it's passed through generations it's mm. given as wedding gifts and it's passed down from a mother to a daughter or you know stuff like that it almost makes me feel like when i when i hear descriptions like this it almost makes me feel like what we're doing is much more disposable in the long term sense of it because there there has been body jewelry i'm i'm sure you have the same thing that i have lola is like i have a box of like all the old jewelry that I've worn and it's like I just see it as junk. Yeah. You know because it's like steel, titanium, yes. maybe a couple of gold pieces here or there but you know 14 karat, 18 karat. True, true. Um but yeah, you know to to look at it in that way sounds like you know a, a big shift. But this visit of mine over here has uh so up until now in the last 4 5 years I've been experimenting making gold jewelry uh which would be uh, which can be used for initial piercing, mm-hmm. you know. so implant grade options and stuff like that because the gold that you get in india the whatever amalgamation that's done is usually copper zinc silver nickel and stuff like that which will not be the best option to mm. use for initial piercing but i've been concentrating on the entire piece and while here i've realized i don't need to concentrate on the entire piece but just the top mm. i can still use titanium backs yeah. and you know just the top so when i go back this time i'll probably try to experiment on indian designs um that but can be used more like a european yes. or like yes. a us titanium yes. backing yes. yeah i think you kind of touched on something ryan when you mentioned about how jewelry feels a little bit more disposable in the west and um i mean i mean you have a little cachet of jewelry because you are a body piercer yeah. who's been piercing for 25 years and you're going to you're, you're going to have that and yeah i have a little tub of things because i have more jewelry than piercings so i don't want to get any more piercings because they're sore um but <laughs> i think there's definitely a different mentality that i experience with my clients and i know you experience with yours as well where it's like you have to really explain to people this is gold and it's valuable please be careful with it please treat it with care it's yeah. a lot more delicate than titanium than steel and it's almost like when something happens like when there's a breakage of jewelry or something like that people are like why did it break it's expensive and i'm like right it's not expensive because it's indestructible it's expensive because it's made of gold or yeah. in part made of gold and there is that kind of like different mentality where people when they spend a lot of money they think they're buying something that's 
that's indestructible that they can do what they want with and you have to really explain like no this is a this is a lovely thing that you're buying it's expensive because of its scarcity because of its value and because it's going to increase in value over time so like please take care of your thing and I think there is just that kind of like different approach to it in the client base where you really have to educate people that like you have to be careful with this Mm -hmm. and I think because of like you know consumer culture and Amazon and all that kind of stuff people are very detached from the idea that you're supposed to take care of your things right whereas like I don't know if culturally it's different where people are far more aware that like this is valuable it's a nice thing (laughs) you should be looking after this what you're explaining in culture is that people have kind of a, a connection to gold and they understand gold and the value of right. gold. Yes. Sometimes I think U.S. clients, they, they only see gold as a color. They don't understand gold as a material or, or you know, right. it, its connection right. to human the history. The finiteness and, of it on the planet. Yeah, and then, you know, plated gold kind of devaluing it mentally for them right. also right. and things right. like that. Yeah, I think largely, uh, you know, our ancestors have uh, kind of got it ingrained into our minds that Everything that you save is a saving, mm. but gold is your final saving. Mm. As in, you would go to the gold after you've, you know, depleted everything that you've saved for. Mm. Right. So somewhere in our mind, uh, we do know that okay, whatever gold we buy will always keep us safe against any harm that comes to us or our loved ones in the future. Loss of job, loss of you know spouse or job or anything of that sort yeah. of so that uh, uh, we have what do you call it uh, uh, like a pawn shop mm. so we have uh, gold pawn shops as well where you leave gold at a particular price and there's an interest that starts and it's bloody high it's like 21 27% and all those things mm. people will leave their gold there take the money in case of an emergency more often than not People will never be able to come back to buy that gold. Because of the interest. Unfortunately. Yeah. Because things may have not turned in their favor or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's the person benefiting out of the entire thing. But yes, gold is a big commodity that we have. And, yeah. you know, a big saving commodity as well. Yeah. Cool. In fact, we trade in gold. I don't know. I'm not too sure whether it happens over here. Yeah. But we trade in gold. So okay. it's, 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 it's like a share. Yeah. In India. So, hmm. Yeah. It's all really fascinating and interesting. You know, sometimes American piercers just kind of focus on what's right in front of them and not what's around them. So yeah, yeah. it's fascinating to hear all I this. I mean, with all the learning that I take back from here, I'm looking forward to bring back certain things from my culture into the open, which was, which, uh, like, like when I tell, when I speak to different piercers across the globe, and, you know, it's like, oh, is that what happens there? Like, I mean, you're saying, oh, is that what? Like, I was speaking to somebody about uh, internal threaded jewelry and hand handed down jewelry and, and uh, we buy gold by weight and that piercer was telling me that today I'm able to understand that I should not argue with my Indian customers anymore because I understand their mentality because they keep on asking me why is this mm. so expensive I'm ready to pay for it but I need to know sure why it is worth this much sure so then uh, she told me that uh, your the conversation with you has you know literally enlightened me to be able to understand or be patient with them yeah because we've never known this part of uh, gold being you know like a commodity or mm. being bought by weight and stuff like that yeah so so it, it, you know if I were ever asked a question like that in my studio how what would be the uh, appropriate way to to respond to someone like you know if if someone comes in for a nostril piercing and I'm piercing them with like a, a two or a 2.5 prong set and it's got a CZ or a diamond or whatever and titanium back and they ask questions like that as a, as a US piercer sometimes it might be like well it costs that much because I'm the fucking piercing wizard and bleh, you know but how what would be the way to, to interact I with would, someone I, my rebuttal would be uh, the cost of any product would be directly proportional to the cost of making that product mm-hmm. you know, yeah. not just the raw material of the right. product and for you it would be like it's 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 made in the United States or mm-hmm. it's made in you know in Europe. So there's a cost to the artist that makes it. Right, the craftsperson the making the, making the jewelry. Making the jewelry has yeah. been paid by the hour. Right. And there is it's it's a specialized skill set. Mm. And there's a cost to it. So all of that put together, it's not just the cost of gold. Sure. 
but everything that's gone behind making that piece beautiful mm. so i think that that would be the best answer that i can think of right now sure. which i cannot give it back home but right. you definitely can <laughs> yet yet but you know yeah 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 so uh, you know we're we're in for Vegas. me the oh, sorry uh, sorry but for uh, for me the answer would be i'm importing it from Okay. So and so place. Right. You can go onto their website, look at the price. Right. You know. Yeah. And I'm still giving you cheaper than what's there on the website. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Right. So that would be my rebuttal kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it makes me think about it in a different way. Uh, yeah. So. Oh, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say when I'm when I'm asked similar things about even things like Thai basics when someone's like um, you know why is a librette post fifteen pounds here when I can get one for a pound down the street I just have to keep it simple and be like it's not this librette post. It's yeah. not from this company. It hasn't been through the same level of quality control. Sure. Can't be verified in the same way. Mm-hmm. And all of those different steps involve manpower and people power, and it costs money. Um, so yeah, you can buy something that looks like this, but it's not going to be this, this exact thing. Right. And I think that's where people need to just realize that there are things like different brands and different quality levels as there are with anything that you could buy, even if it looks very similar. So I really just try and focus on the fact that you can't get this exact thing. Mm-hmm. You can get something similar, but it's not going to be exactly the same as what I'm selling. You're buying something else. We haven't all bought it from this one factory right. on earth that makes all of the same stuff. Right. So I, I really try and focus on that as well with customers. The same uh, same question for titanium pieces, the answer that I give is that it's, it's implant-grade uh, titanium, the same metal that goes inside your body when you break your bones. I say if that often. It's the same thing you would make a replacement hip or a knee yeah, out of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so if, if it's that, that high quality for a human, it's the best that can go into your body mm-hmm. as a piercing, unless you're an alien, is my answer. Always. <laughs> so we're, yeah. we're, we're in Las Vegas. We're at the APP conference, and uh, this, is, this is, you know, the final day. We're getting ready to go home. You'll be, you'll be moving on in your journey soon. Yes. Um, what have been some of the standout moments? I'm, I'm sure it's difficult to kind of narrow down a list on a, a week with so much going on, but, like, what have been some of the things that have stood out for you at this conference? Uh... I think uh, f- from from the conference perspective, it's I've had two learning uh, areas, mm-hmm. or rather two ge- uh, geographical uh, spots. Yeah. One was the classroom, and the other was the heart bar. Okay. So they, these are the two spots that where I learned a lot of things, uh, very uh, official or you know, uh, education school style learning in the classroom, and a very private one-on-one session in at the hard bar where I learned so much from different piercers from different uh, parts of the world and what they do and why they do it and and also methodologies that are adapted by each piercer for their own ease Mm -hmm. or something that they've picked up from somewhere and you know stuff like that so from a learning perspective I think uh, it's 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 been super awesome uh, for me something like this does not exist in India or anywhere close to that the other aspect of it which amazed me is that, I mean, uh, it's it's almost 1,500 people that mm. were there for this conference this year. We were a part of the entire volunteer team as scholars uh, and uh, uh, the, the way the entire thing was planned and executed was, I would say, amazing mm. because uh, we as artists, we as piercers, we are not normal people we are difficult to deal with <laughs> i don't know what you mean <laughs> <laughs> so so 1500 of those types <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to manage deal execute it was absolutely fabulous by everybody who's put in the efforts to plan this execute it's it's just it's been it's just another amazing thing to learn as well you know i i also come from an event management background and we do different things as well and but this was completely different yeah a monster and, and really yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. lots to learn lot lot to take back and and it's been fun i think overall uh and also ryan i think uh you've hooked me up with a few piercers because after the after i got my visa my getting my visa was like a like a hell of a challenge I'm but sure. I, I got it like about two weeks before i traveled and uh, thanks to you ryan that you've put me up with different piercers like i i i landed in california lala and uh 
So Ryan uh, sent me to Paul King's studio. I mm. met Mick Rose and I shadowed him. Uh, he also got me on a motorcycle ride with his girlfriend and that was super fabulous up the mountains. Uh, and uh, I met Alana at two different studios of hers, uh, Rose Gold and Lux. And uh, then went down to John Johnson. He's another, uh, you know, maestro out there. And uh, been to his studio, Ron Garza's studio. So it's been it's been a fabulous journey so far. I'm still yeah. meeting a few more uh, piercers, and I'm really looking forward to see not only their their spaces, but how they work. And you know, each person has a different way to do the piercing, to set up the piercing. It's it's nice to see uh, you know different perspectives. And sometimes I will ask questions like, okay, I seen this one do this, and why are you doing it? And the interesting thing that I have uh, experienced here with this visit and also shadowing so many different piercers is that. I've never gotten a single person answer me because that's how it is. Mm. They've given me a logical reason as to why they think that this is good for them or this is easier for them or they like to do it that way. So it's it's not like like you just mentioned some time ago, I'm the piercing god, like, yeah. and that's why it's this is how it's cost. So I've never got an answer like that. So it's been great to learn so many perspectives. You mm. know, see why what is done like. Uh, multiple gloves, sterile gloves, the way you set up, or you know, uh, playing with needles, and you know. So yeah, it's been it's been absolutely fabulous, is what I can say. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. The, the whole like you know that's just how it's done. I, I've gotten that answer a few times, especially earlier in my career, and I feel like that's the answer you would give a child. Yeah. You know, it's just that's just how it is. Just go to bed. Yeah, you know, yeah, but yeah. it's like yeah, when you when you're talking to a a, a colleague, someone, yes. and you you want to give them information so that they can kind of think through it logically as to what might work for them true 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 yeah yeah that's great this is fantastic um so do you have plans to be at, at bmx or, or uk app again in the fall or take a year i off? will be okay that's that's on the cards so yeah. I'll, I'll plan that out once i'm back home i mean i'm looking forward to that uh i would also like to i mean after being here and speaking i'm hearing about so many different uh, sister organizations of app across the globe mm -hmm. i think in the next a few years i will That'll be my endeavor to try and go to different APPs as well, see that culture, see that country, or you know that that part of the continent. Amazing. Do you, do you think that you could see maybe an Indian piercer group, or maybe in the future an Indian piercer organization, or do you feel like it's still maybe a little adversarial? To be, to be very honest, Ryan, uh, today India or the Indian piercing, the professional Indian piercing scene is probably 15 or 20 years where you were 20, 15 or 20 years ago. So we are still in its nascent stages. Mm -hmm. I mean, though piercing has been there with us for like thousands of years, yeah. but the professional aspect of it, we are still in the nascent stages. Sure. And uh, just before I came out over here, like I was telling you a little earlier, I put together, uh, I mean, I just uh, opened a new uh, Facebook uh, page, Facebook and Instagram page called the Piercers Association of India. Mm. And the acronym kind of is PAIN, P-A-I-N. <laughs> so that just works out perfectly. And when I go back, I will interact with my colleagues and, and I will look at putting together a group and you know uh, meeting up with different people whether it is virtually or you know physically That's plus great. virtually stuff like that because i'm sure you're bringing a massive amount of information yes home. yes and i'm happy to share it with my yeah. brothers and sisters back there in india and and i really look forward to sharing the information and uh, maybe not so soon to have something the level of app because even from a cost perspective, it is different for us sure. or difficult for us. Yeah. Uh, I am uh, not the most expensive uh, piercing studio in the country. Uh, our pricings are dependent on which part of the city you are in, whether you are in okay. the same city or not. But it's somewhere in the psychologically people will be like, I'll go to that part of the city, which is a posh part of I the city. I think she knows exactly yeah. what you mean, and I, I do too, because she she tells me about it. Like in, in Glasgow, it's like, yeah. well, there's the posh areas, and like when she was opening her studio, she wanted it to be near, like near the high street and have it be in an area where affluent people went to spend money. Yeah, yeah, like just a neutral area yeah. where anybody could get to pretty easily. Right, yeah. yeah. So people would, would, would be open to spend more money for the same service at even a substandard... Uh, quality mm. higher amounts to spend than where I am kind sure. of a thing so that's that's like a constant fight and today uh, I'm priced at close to about 13 US dollars mm -hmm. for a basic low piercing titanium jewelry included okay mm. 
and people still find me super expensive sure yeah yeah so i have at least about 25 to 30 percent of people will walk out of the studio saying oh no you're too expensive because there are other people who are doing it for three dollars yeah two dollars yeah of course free as well mm. it's a different story but uh so when i look at the uh jewelry expectations that abb has from a quality perspective or certified uh, jewelry companies that abb has today i will not be able to afford to spend six to eight dollars on jewelry alone mm-hmm. leave alone leave aside the needle and everything else that goes for the piercing plus the overheads of the studio and sure. blah, 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 and still do a piercing for 13 dollars mm-hmm. i'll probably be just cut to cut or i'll be just doing piercings for free or i'll be doing it at a loss mm-hmm. so we are still a long way off before we can get down to the quality i mean i mean the education aspect of it has started i'm trying to do whatever i can and roping and other experienced piercers to to be a part of this so We'll definitely have a community. Mm-hmm. Whether we would have APP in the next two years or five years is is a thing that we will get to know in time. Right, is what I would say. Right. Well, so when I first the first jewelry upgrade that I ever sold was when I started piercing. It was fifteen pound for a nose piercing, jewelry included, and then we said, well, and it was just a little nostril screw. It wasn't even anything. It came pre bent. There's nothing special about it. And we went, well, well, we'll get jeweled ones and we'll sell them for three pounds extra. And they'll be and it'll be 18 pounds instead of 15. And people would fight it every single day, like three pounds extra for this. And this would have just been, you know, 13 years ago, something like that. And compared to where I am now, the difference is just bananas. And the difference that the the way that I look at it is you have to get to a point where you realize you're not competing with the cheaper places. They are competing with you. And when you shift that mentality, you stop apologizing for your pricing. It, it makes a huge difference. But I think you raise a really good point because there is um, a lot of very kind of reductive reasoning um, that's sometimes put towards us in developing spaces where people say, oh, well, you're just undervaluing yourself, just charge more. And you're like, I get what you're saying, but there is a ceiling economically yeah. to what the middle class can spend. and it there isn't a big enough upper class to fund your business in the area and if you know like the working poor or the the poor class can't afford to shop with you you're reliant on a real demographic and there is such a thing as client alienation and overreaching in your costs so I think that growing things organically the way that you have been and just taking your customers on the journey with you instead yeah. of just like pulling the rug out yeah, from under them and force them. saying this how much it is, I think that's that's really, really great. I think that in five years, in 10 years, like if you're at $13 now, it'll be at $30, it'll be at $50. I'm yeah. super confident that that's going to happen because I would never have believed arguing with people over three pounds like 13 years ago that I would just be like <laughs> that my base would be around 50. Yeah. Like no way. And it's I work in the same city. I work in the same square mile. I work on the same clients. So nothing has changed. It's just like my business and my outlook and yeah. putting in the time to take people with you. Mm-hmm. And I think that it sounds like you're doing that. You're taking your clients with you. You're not just telling them how it is. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying my best as far as that is concerned. And I'm, I'm, I'm constantly confused on that same thing that you just uh, said where, you know, whether like I know that I'm doing way more than any other piercing studio in the country mm-hmm. considering I was I was the first in a lot of things I can boast about it that I've, because I've been that but I'm still not the most expensive uh, place in the country mm-hmm. you know there are people who live in uh, f- uh, like a like how Hollywood so we have Bollywood in Mumbai mm-hmm. so people who live around that posh localities they charge way higher and don't even use titanium mm-hmm. they use like basic uh, steel jewelry not even like surgical steel yeah. or whatever because they're selling a probably a, a brand yes yeah. yes yeah. and uh, uh, I think what was that the door is that the it might have been housekeeping housekeeping well we don't have to check out until 11 you, you two can continue talking so uh, so that's a constant uh, confusion for me whether you know it's time for me to increase the price or you right. know uh, because what just before the lockdown uh, 2018 actually uh, I had increased my prices mm-hmm. I'd gone to about it would convert to about 17 what 17 to 18 dollars mm-hmm. uh, for my basic piercing that 
and I had a sudden drop of business like going less than 50% of my business yeah. I'd increased my prices in the in 2018 or 19 mm-hmm. and uh, because I had $13 constantly for the last 8-10 years maybe and then I just increased it in somewhere in 18 and then business dropped by 50% mm-hmm. and I panicked mm-hmm. I, and then lockdown came through you know and when we reopened we went back to the 13 dollars price though things got more expensive for us you know gloves were at some ridiculous prices during those times but yeah uh, plus my customs it was it, they charged me about 83 percent duty to get empl- 83 like, percent yes mm-hmm. and i never imagined it because whenever i should travel i should come back with all my basic stands yeah. and whatever i needed from trust in germany and uh, uh, but during the lockdown i had to order and i realized like Oh, and that too, 83% was not a fixed thing. Mm. They said, now it's 83, it could be 150 next time. So I was like, oh. okay, I can't even think of ordering, you know, shipping it into the country because right. it's, I'm getting it at home more expensive than my selling price. Mm. If, you know, didn't make sense to me. Anyways, so I've been in that constant catch-22 situation whether, you know, I should increase the price and demand what my services are worth or my experience and my services are worth or stick to the geographical or the economical pricing that I should. That's hmm. a constant confusion. Yeah. I, I think that I, I hear things that I, that I hear, what, what you're saying is I, I hear similar things from piercers around the world, even in, sometimes in the States where they're just kind of, they're at this growth point where yeah. it's like, well, how do I balance, you know, affordable for my clients, but with, with growth, sustainable growth for my shop. And right, right. yeah, I think a lot of us have had to go through, maybe not to the same scale, but a, a similar, kind of uh, yeah. circumstances yeah well um, I think I need to start winding it down because uh, we have to start packing up all this stuff and then we have yes, to get yes. in this room because I think housekeeping just tried to come in and do you all want out. to keep your bags in my room or something like that we can do that as well well I, I don't know I think we might just leave it downstairs at the bell captain whatever I'm not really sure yeah okay. yeah yeah but I appreciate that just in case you're out later or something yeah because like I'm just around yeah. so I'm not doing anything much so. well okay well um, so if, if people want to be able to contact you the website social media so I'm Mr. Piercer it's very simple M-R-P-I-E-R-C-E-R on Instagram and uh, Facebook as well but I don't use my Facebook page much I'm Jason D'Souza on Facebook but Mr. Piercer on Instagram would be the best option to connect with me I've had a lot of piercers who have uh, spoken to me as to their Indian clients when they go back home whom they can connect with because there are a lot of people who are uh, a lot of piercers who were from uh, university se- uh, town setups. Oh, sure. And they've got students who go back home mm-hmm. to India and they wanted to get in touch with a piercer for their post care and stuff like that. So I'm happy to take on, uh, you know, any of the work that happens across uh, the United States and they want to refer to me. And if they're not in my town, I will refer your customers uh, to other piercers that I, I can refer to. and. But otherwise, it's Mr. Piazza. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, I really appreciate you, you know, taking the time to sit down with us. But I also really appreciate, you know, in, in a certain sense, it's got to take a lot of courage to to put yourself out there and, and to try to come to a brand new conference, to apply for the scholarship, all those things. So, thank just you. want to thank say you. that. I mean, I mean, it's my honor to be a part of this podcast, right? And uh, it's you. You guys are doing fabulous, and it's been fun. And the entire chat, I think, with Lola and you has been superb. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. been great. Anything you want to say? No, well, just that I think that um, Jason's a really good example of why people should apply to the scholarship program right. because you mentioned that you encourage Jason to apply. You encourage so many people to apply that don't apply mm. in the end. And I think because they I don't think know that, if oh, there's. Oh, I would never be able to get it. Right. They think, you know. Uh, like they don't want to put themselves out there put yourself out there yeah. like yeah. I think you're a really good example of someone who put themselves out there and it's like you've crammed 10 years worth of experience into a year because you did that so yes. I think that if, if any if people can take anything away it's like be you know be like Jason yeah <laughs> yes yes I would I would I would reach out to anybody and everybody who think that uh, scholarship would, with the APP is difficult it's not difficult but sh- You've got to give it a try. Whether you get it or not this year, you'll definitely get it one of the years. But don't not try for it with the fear of rejection is yeah. all that I can say. Yeah. That's perfect advice. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. 
Okay. All right. Well, thank you. It's been a much. pleasure, Ryan and Lola. Thank you so much. And I look forward to seeing you. Yes, we'll definitely meet again. Great. So thank you so much for talking to me, Jason. Pretty cool that we have our first scholar from India. Uh, I really always love the wider perspective that our international scholars can, can give us. It really makes the conference experience, the volunteer family experience, much more enriching when you realize that uh, it's a shared passion throughout the world and you can kind of connect with someone and you can have this bond even though you've just met them and completely different uh, cultural differences and, and countries and all these things. So I'm really happy that I could get a, an interview with you, Jason. I look forward to seeing your, your class in the future and to running into you at a, another conference down the road. I want to say um, extra special thank you again to everyone who signed up and supported me at patreon.com slash ryanpba. Tons of content available on the archive on demand whenever you sign up and lots of new content planned for the, the summer. Um, I have a poll up right now kind of deciding whether my next video will be about tongue piercings or anti-tragus piercings. So if you're a supporter on the Archmage tier, go and uh, cast your vote. Let me know what you're into. Keep in mind that I will be making both the videos. It's really just which one do you want to see first? Um, thank you so much to Lola Slider for always being brilliant and beautiful and being a fantastic partner in and out of the ring. Um, thank you for listening to this show, and I'm going to stop talking. I'll be back with more episodes soon. For more information about the show, visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like Piercing Wizard Podcast on Facebook. For more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved.